Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Amazing Race Rewind podcast, the podcast where we rewind back in time to watch the earliest seasons of The Amazing Race. My name is Andrew. And I'm Jill. And we're here to talk about season one, episode six. But first, we have some things to go over before we get into this tumultuous episode. Tumultuous. It was. Uh, yes. Yeah. So as we mentioned last week, we had a- another question from Davina that we were going to bump to this week. And that was on the use of filming permits, how they acquire permits in the race, what the process is. And similar to the question about production budgets, there's just not a lot of statistics online for that stuff. I know Andrew had mentioned something about the amount of permits. That, do you want to go into that? Yeah, so I mentioned before we uh, started filming that the only thing that I could really find was about when they filmed in Russia for season 17, they have to get over 70 permits from different authorities, including the committees of culture, law, transport, roads and bridges, police departments, etc. But Russia would obviously be much more strict than of other countries that they would have to get these permits from. But that's the only thing that I can find. What did, what did you find? I've just found, again, very general stuff. They work m- with the local governments and local businesses. So they have teams going out for that. And it's not like the head offices in, I'm going to assume New York potentially, or LA are the ones dealing with this. They have their own branches or their own production companies that they hire in other countries. Um, and then those people are the ones that are responsible for staking out all you know, the legal stuff, getting all the financial stuff worked out. The I found a great article actually on the production of the show from the um, one of the executive producers and I believe his wife talking about how they scope out all the locations for the show themselves. So they go, they visit everything, they do all of the tasks that the contestants will do. And then presumably once they've done that, once they've confirmed this is a location they would like to use, then their locally um, locally based production team would be the one to deal with more of the logistical stuff. That would be my best guess. So they essentially hire people along the way to get the permits for them. It, and I mean, that's not uncommon in production and in, in film and television. I know one of the executive producers did state that he, having worked in the industry for a long time, he had a lot of contacts. So it wasn't terribly hard either to find people who would work on this with him. But I mean, yeah, that's what local production offices are for. And that's what they would be doing. Okay, interesting. And we also received another email this past week from a mysterious person um, who's actually my mom. (laughs) (laughs) And she wanted to know if we're going to apply for the Canadian version of The Amazing Race anytime soon or if we want to do that. And why haven't we applied? Yeah, take it away. Well, we're finally old enough, so we definitely want to, and we definitely have considered it. We actually, maybe two weeks ago, Andrew did send me the application form <laughs> for the this season, but I think just with how our lives are right now, I don't know if we would be able to clear our schedules enough for being able to film, because I believe that you said they start filming sometime around end of April, right? Yeah. So we just don't know if we would be able to make that as well as just working out the logistics, the other logistics of our lives. And it's been a busy year for both you and me. We've been all over the place. We've been doing quite a bit. I think we need to give it a little bit more time. The applications for, if anyone's interested, the applications for the Canadian Amazing Race close in December. Um, And I know we we had discussed it, but I think ultimately we thought it was best to wait till next year and we we will prepare, we will train, and we will, yeah. We will apply next year, I think, whether we get on, who knows, but yes, it yeah. won't be this year, next year, maybe. If you see us at the local gym with giant backpacks on running on a treadmill, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, 
Thank you, Debbie. So, yes, thanks for thanks for the question. As always, we do appreciate it. So I guess with with that being said, we'll get just into for, this. Oh, just yes. of course, if you have a question, email us amazingracerewind at gmail.com or shoot a DM to the Instagram account, which is that's also at Amazing Race Rewind, right? It is. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, let's get into the episode. Okay, yeah. So a lot happened this episode. It was a lot to keep track of. We had teams all over Europe. Literally, there were time penalties, credits, and our first ever non-elimination, which was quite unceremonious, I thought. It it was. I think they kind of didn't know what to do. There was so much at the pit stop. You know, I'm sorry to jump ahead for those listening, but there was yeah. so much, you know, teams not reading the clues, right? Therefore, having to receive penalties, teams who were delayed by production and had to, you know, get a time credit. And on top of that, a non-elimination round. So there was there was so much going on. I don't, I don't think the show knew what to do. Yeah, exactly. And with that, I actually have a little theory that we can talk about later, a little tinfoil crackpot theory about this non-elimination. You don't think it was intentional? I don't think it fully was. I believe, well, we'll get into it later. (laughs) Okay. All right. Sounds good. I will say this episode was definitely, it was a lot more reality TV in the sense of drama and Mm. plot lines and edited narratives something I do keep in mind as a as someone who works works with film and stuff is that the edited the edited narratives in these TV shows can be grossly mis- misinterpreted and often the drama is not at all as um heavy as it seems because right. just the way it's edited they they amplify it so much so it's something I always keep in mind when watching especially an episode like this is that in at the end of the day there is someone sitting in a room in front of a computer cutting together lines to make it look like the most dramatic situation possible. And the lines that you might see appear on screen may not even actually be corresponding to the situation. Yeah, exactly. And this is obviously referring to Team Guido, who have some big scandal this episode. But we see more a lot of scenes of them just saying like, oh, good, they're like, oh, we hope they miss the train or we hope we do that. Or we are glad that they're not doing well. We see that from them. But like Nancy and Emily could be saying the exact same thing about other teams and they just wouldn't show that because that doesn't fit the narrative that the producers picked for them. Exactly. And obviously it's TV and obviously watch it to have fun, but I don't know. I feel like when it's an episode that has this much quote unquote drama, you need to keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I, when I watch the Kardashians, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's but just... again, Coming from the topic of speaking about us going on The Amazing Race to watching this, I keep that in mind. This yeah, this could be us. We could be the villains. Who knows? I, I'd be interested. I think they could frame you as a villain. Maybe I don't know. If, I don't, I don't think. think so. I think you would just you would be too. You would be so ruthless that it'd be so easy. I don't know. I think okay, we'll get into the episode now. <laughs> yeah, it's a long preamble. So we learn right at the beginning of the episode here that Paul and Amy from last episode they were actually lost for six hours. This was stated in a little previously on segment. So you didn't say six to ten. Six to ten. Oh, I just I just remember hearing six. Maybe you know, ten sounds excessive. You're probably right. But it was a long time, regardless. Yeah. The first team to start were Kevin and Drew at two twenty four a.m. and we learned that they have to go back to Tunis, where they traveled three hundred miles away from, and now they have to go back. Something else we should add is that um, they were supposed to start from the pit stop in the desert, but due to mm. quite an um, quite a horrible sandstorm that came through. They actually moved the pit stop and had teams, they didn't say where, but they relocated them to a hotel. And the hotel ended up being kind of the makeshift uh, starting point for the episode. Yes. 
So maybe this hotel was a little more inconvenient to go back to Tunis than the uh, Oasis. Yeah, I guess so. But it seems a little bit inconvenient for them to travel all the way 300 miles from the desert and then go all the way back. Oh, it is. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, all of the teams make their way to the airport. Not a lot goes on here. Other than there's this horrible, like, sped up footage during the montage of when they're traveling to the airport. It's like, it's sped up, not to the point where it's a time lapse, but it's just like an awkward in between. You know what I mean? That kind of shakiness that's, it's just, it's, you can kind of still see every step they take, but the camera's shaky and it's just really like wobbly. Yeah, it's like, why are we doing, they were just being experimental, I guess, because I don't think they've done this before this episode. They were having fun. (laughs) So we get to the airport and we learn that there is an unprecedented airport strike in Rome. So teams have to travel to places other than Rome. They can't fly directly to Rome. Although Kenny and Larry, ooh, Lenny and Karen do travel directly to Rome because it's a controlled strike and it ends at 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. or something. Everyone is taking a very different path. There's a lot going on at the airport. Yeah, this is a lot to keep track of. And I think... This was obviously something that the show couldn't have predicted or the producers couldn't have predicted, but I think it did work out to their favor because it created a lot of drama that otherwise wouldn't have been there, I think. A significant portion of the episode took place during that airport uh, sequence or was kind of set the tone for the rest of the episode. Yeah, we had airport drama, which I was thrilled about because we haven't had this since episode two, I think. Episode two, where were they flying? Uh, to oh, Paris. Yes, that was the yes. whole Kim and Leslie shenanigans. Yeah. Forgot about them for a second. Yeah, so we got more drama here. And it all starts with Joe and Bill talking to the airport desk in French. And they're telling the lady that the other contestants are here. And they don't they don't say this, but the show kind of implies that they tell her to to not sell tickets to them. But that's, I mean, I understand that. But it's also like, as an airport agent, as a worker, as an employee, you cannot restrict the sales of tickets because some people told you to. Yeah, exactly. And I understand they may have alluded to her to try and do that. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm just there doing my job, I'm not going to (laughs) listen. Yeah. And the show seems to make it seem like that's what happened. And that's the reason why Kevin Drew and everybody else couldn't get the tickets on the same flight as them but i really think that they were legitimately the last ones to book tickets on the flight and that they don't have the power to like make sure the others don't get on i yeah i think so too they're, like to me there's no logical way in which the gate agent or the the tickets agent would just be like no sorry we can't sell it to you because these guys told us not to yeah but the, yeah the show heavily implied that that's what happened and that's just what, we, what you were mentioning at the beginning with the editing narratives yeah and shaping a team's narrative through editing so yeah Kevin and Drew somehow pick up on this and they they reply with um, quote you better be careful or you get one of your legs broken quite aggressive <laughs> yeah the stakes are raised here so yes uh, Joe and Bill get the only tickets available seemingly at the time on the most I should say only tickets available on the most direct or most um convenient flight yes yeah they're watching it all play out there's a bunch of chaos where everybody's scrambling to try and get they are quite literally they're standing there watching everybody else scramble at the (laughs) yeah they have front row seats they're watching along with us with their with popcorn they really are I think the other teams pick up pretty quickly that um Team Guido has gotten onto a flight that they won't be able to get onto. And I believe it's Kevin and Drew that somehow, some way, 
kind of schmooze up to one of the other gate agents for, I don't know the airline, but this is how they were able to get to France. I think it's Lyon. Yeah, which I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of. Um, and not only that, they really play the, the team player card here and they get two other sets of tickets and they give one set to Nancy and Emily yeah. and one set to Robin Brennan. So there's kind of um, a pact formed there, a very, quite, dare I say, amicable and um, healthy pact, little alliance. Yeah, so I, th- there are two things that I have with this. So first of all, why are Robin Brennan in it? We've seen their bond with Nancy and Emily, but... Robin Brennan, where's that coming from? If anything, I would want to work with someone like, I don't know, Lenny and Karen, because they're not as strong as Robin Brennan, you know? I don't know. I feel like you have to go. You, It's, I, it's impossible to say because I'm not there and we yeah. see such a limited portion of what's on the camera. But you go off of someone's vibes, you I know? Suppose, yeah. Maybe if we get on The Amazing Race... People will think, why did we team up with this other team? But it's it's like, you know, the vibes behind the scene. You, you, you got to get it. Yeah. And then my other thing was, there seems to be a lot of schmoozing. Like you said, a lot of schmoozing going on. But I don't understand how buying plane tickets work. Because I would think it would be very simple where if there are spaces left on a flight, you just give them to the first people who ask for it. Like, why do they have to work at the employees to build a relationship in order to get tickets? Like, I don't understand how this works. I've only this ever booked tickets online. This is something, though. Yeah, I think it's because you and I grew up on the with the <laughs> the online age of you plug it into Expedia and you're given thirty options and you pick the one that suits yeah. you best. Personally, I've never had to deal with calling the airline and getting things figured out. But I, I think it might my best guess, and I know my parents will probably listen to this and think, "Oh my God, this this girl knows nothing about customer service when it comes to airplanes mm-hmm. and she needs more life experience than that." But my best guess would be you talk to them and eventually, you know, you wear you wear them down just a little bit, not a ton, just a little bit. They they want to help you. If you're nice, you if you wear them down with your desperation and they want to help you, that's that's what would probably yield results. But my thing is, why do you have to wear them down to begin with? Can't they just give you tickets? But there's so many people. I mean, you saw how packed the ticket booths were. There's so many people trying to get on flights or they're upset with the strikes. There's people coming and complaining about more mundane things than that i, I don't know so. vendor of, of the customer service workers i guess I am. yeah well if you have insight into how airports work <laughs> we would love to know so so yeah with the luck of the irish and new york perseverance kevin and drew secure these tickets for people and uh, who is it gives like he had bought one of them had bought a necklace for his girlfriend in tunisia he's like i said it was a good luck charm but he ends up giving it to the lady who got them yeah. their tickets. Yeah, that was a strange... I guess that just really shows the bond of... I think that just shows the stakes of the race. I guess so, yeah. I, and I like to... Um, Nancy had a great line here about Kevin and Drew. She, I think she called them my new heroes. <laughs> yes. I thought that was very cute. This kind of puts Team Guido into shambles a little bit because they were so confident with being the only ones that have tickets. And then I think the flight that Kevin and Drew and the, everybody else were on put them about three, I think they said three hours ahead of Team Guido. Roughly, yeah. If they w- Probably if they had made um, the connection. The, their connection in France, yeah. they would have been about three hours ahead. There yeah. was a great quote, though, while Bill and Joe still thought they were on top and it was just, thank God they failed. Oh, that was so great. Lenny and Karen failed. That was great. So yeah, Lenny and Karen decide to wait for the strike to be over and fly directly to Italy, which does end up paying off and puts them into the lead as they are the first ones to to get to Rome. 
they are and they're told actually they are told i think karen kind of starts talking to the tunisian air or the tunisian airlines people and gets to again it's that kind of thing you're talking about like schmoozing with the ticket agents or whatever (laughs) she says like you know i got to know them really well and they told me to wait and come back at three so they her and lenny do that and it yeah i was surprised it paid off i thought oh no that's i'm not doing that that would be that would be the downfall but it paid off yeah, because I feel like it would be so anxiety-inducing to see all the teams leave and you're just sitting there waiting. But I guess patience is a virtue. They go off and they do their thing. And at this point, Frank and Margarita have left for London, correct? Something like that. I'm not sure where they are, but they're going to London. People are all, London. all over Europe. But While Lenny and Karen are waiting and while Frank and Margarita are off to London, that's when uh, the clash kind of between the, the four remaining teams happens. Yeah, this is the real drama of the episode. So Kevin and Drew, Nancy and Emily and Brennan and Rob the trio who are going to Lyon, they only have 10 minutes before their flight leaves and they have to get through security. But Customs. Yeah. Here come the Guidos and they're, they're just going to hold up the line. <laughs> they're waiting. They are waiting for the other three teams um, and yeah. wait until they get there to fully hold the line up for them. Yeah, it's very intense. They're like, okay, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Okay, now. They have a very different strategy than I think a lot of people, even I would have, to the race, which is you kind of actively try to put yourself ahead of other teams. Not in the, like, Obviously, that's what everybody wants to do, but in the sense of trying to put other teams down. Yeah, I think so most people, and maybe as the show has evolved, you don't really... Like, it's just kind of not a waste of time, but it, it is. It is kind of a waste of energy to just constantly be trying to one-up the other teams and to put them down and to get ahead of them or to cause their demise. Whereas there, maybe, again, this is just still being the early stages of the show. They thought this would be a really good strategy. And it does pay off for them sometimes. But it's they're very actively trying to sabotage the other team sometimes. Yeah, this had no payoff. They fell completely on their faces. And as the teams got on the flight, no problem. It, yeah, it was a little bit violent. So apparently, Nancy was pushed. There was a shot of Emily with just tears in her eyes. It was, it was not captured very well which makes sense because i guess they're not allowed cameras in that in the security area yeah but i guess they did a good job of capturing the chaos of the moment so yeah this doesn't do anything for the guidos except for make everybody hate them 10 times more to the point where other teams don't even want to talk to them or engage with them at all again it's just that thing of i think strategy like general strategy has evolved to you don't want a team to ever actively hate you and i mean yeah Maybe, you know, obviously some people still do, but I think it's just become much more of a stay in your lane. Exactly. Yeah. You focus on you, you get yourself ahead, you get yourself through the task. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Yes. And after the fact, I thought there was this really cool confessional where we don't really see this often, where there are three people all from different teams doing one confessional together. So we had Brennan, Emily, and I think think it's Rob. Maybe was it? No, I thought it was. Oh, it was Rob. Yeah, it was Rob, Emily, and Drew. Maybe Kevin. I don't know the difference between them. But they were all doing a confessional together and all <laughs> on different teams. So I thought that was really interesting, giving giving their input. It's a very cinematic display of unity, if you will. I think so. And I think this experience kind of brought them together even more. <laughs> but not in a codependent way. No. So yeah, so they but... make it on the plane anyway. Although I didn't, I wasn't sure if they were going to make it on. Because there's this moment where Phil says, Kevin and Drew, Nancy and Emily, and Robin Brennan, dot, 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 are now on their way to Lyon. So I thought, I thought he was going to say they missed their flight because there's this really dramatic and foreboding music playing in the background. That's TV, though. That's how they get you. Did you think they were going to miss it or no? No, I, 
I had a good indication that they made the flight because earlier on in a confessional, I think it was Rob as well who had also said something about the way he phrased um, them getting on the flight sounded very definitive and very past tense and simple. Oh. I, I can't think of the quote right off the bat, but it was based. I basically remember thinking, oh, okay, so they got on in the end with no issue. However, yeah. um, so now an update on the teams. So Lenny and Karen get back and, you know, obviously the other teams have left on flights, but they're able to get a direct flight and they have no issues. Frank and Margarita are in London and there is still no direct flights to Rome. So they actually take another flight to Geneva um, and wait out the night. They end up sleeping there for a flight to Rome in the morning. And then the three teams we just mentioned, Robin, Brennan, Nancy and Emily, Kevin and Drew are in Lyon. And also find out that there are no flights. So I think, do they they fly to Milan and then take a train to Rome, correct? Something like that. Yeah, a lot of travel. And actually, at one point, Rob says, and oh my God. I know I mentioned the movie earlier, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but he says, like, yeah, it is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. When he said that, I audibly laughed. Like, wow. <laughs> I was like, you got to watch the movie. eat that up. I know it. <laughs> but yeah, during this episode, I was I was really excited to see how it turned out because... I've never seen on the more modern edition of The Amazing Race that I'm familiar with where teams are so scattered in different countries and where they have so much agency and freedom of where they want to go or of like where they could go. I know. That whole travel mess aside, everybody gets to Rome and I believe the next task is a detour, but it doesn't open till 10 a.m. or something. Yeah, so the whole travel thing doesn't really matter anyway. Everybody gets there. It doesn't. Everybody gets there before 10 a.m. Which I guess makes sense because they want to make it closer between teams. But there was a part of me that wanted there to be like an eight hour gap between teams, you know? The eight hour gap is sometimes nice, but it, I mean, it only makes for so much good TV. Okay, so this is where we get the Guidos walking past Kevin and Drew <laughs> on the way to the detour. And they don't know what to do. They're awkward. So one of them just says, good morning. And Kevin and Drew says, they say something to the effect of, don't say good morning to me ever again. I think that is what they say exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. So as obviously we mentioned, all the teams kind of end up waiting for the detour task to open. Everybody's there. And the three teams who the Guidos attempted to sabotage are very, very upset about it. Uh, Frank and Margarita, Lenny and Karen get there and they're trying to tell them about this and they're yeah. discussing this. And I kind of like how Karen takes a very almost parental approach of, you know, I, I, have, I haven't heard both sides. I need to hear both sides. It's not fair. And it's, it is very reality TV in this moment of you've got cut to the Guido saying something that contradicts to yeah. like, they say something, cut. The groups are saying something, cut back to the Guidos. It's a contradiction, cut back, contradiction. It's very reality TV. And it's very interesting to see both sides because both sides are not telling the story as it actually happened or as we were shown. No, no. and I mean, even I like how Frank and Margarita take the approach I would, which is they just don't want any part of it. They don't want any of the drama. They don't want to get involved. They're yeah. just doing their own thing. It's like, give me the drama, but I'm not involved in it. I'm just a spectator. That's <laughs> what I want. <laughs> so we get to the detour and it is hoof versus foot. And really... There's nothing to talk about here. I'm sick of these boring, bland detours. Do you have anything to say? Nothing that we haven't said before. You get the gist <laughs> of it. It's like, this one's easier. But I know. Put you back. This one's harder, but it's really not. And it puts you in a better position. Like you, If you guys are here, you've probably listened to the last episodes by now. We have no more comments. <laughs> We've said the exact same thing every single time about the detours because but there's haven't changed. So yeah, everybody does want the the hoof, except for Lenny and Karen do the foot, which whatever, we don't care. 
And it so, indicates that they have to, um, where do they have to go next? They have to go to Castle Franco, Emilia, and find the Pagani Auto Factory, which is where the roadblock is. And the clue specifies they have to take a train, T-R-A-I-N. Thank you for the spelling. <laughs> but this is something I, obviously, I, we mentioned at the start of the episode, there are some uh, time penalties given, and it has to do with the specifications of the clue. Now, the whole thing, um, when they went from Paris to Marseille, because some teams got off and took the taxi, so I'm going to assume that the clue there indicated that they have to just they just have to go yeah. and didn't they go by train. I would assume so. this was back in episode two. You mean or three? Yeah, I'm. I'd like. Do you remember if the, the clue didn't say they had to go by train? Obviously, it just said they have to get to. Yeah, I would assume it would say they just have to get to since people took taxis and there was no penalties. Right. To our knowledge, because I yeah I was a little confused because. There was no clarity given at the start of the show about how, for the viewers at least, how strictly the teams have to follow the clues. Yeah, so Joe says that he read he read the clue differently and felt that he was smart for taking a taxi, whereas other people were saying, like, no, you have to take a train. And I was thinking, wouldn't they have outlined this before the race saying and made it really clear that if the clue says take a train, you must take a train? And why do they have to only take a train? Why are they limited to that mode of transport? What, what's the goal there? That was my question, too. You know, the whole I mean, obviously, you know, he says it's not cheating. You know, he's saying, I thought it was smart. It's not cheating. No, I don't think it's cheating because doing what you have to do. I think either it wasn't outlined clearly enough before the race started that they had to follow the clues to a pinpoint specification or the the teams who the two teams do this where they have to take the train um and they get off and take a cab and it's bill and joe and frank and margarita correct yes yeah and for two teams to do it you'd think maybe it wasn't as clearly outlined as a rule yeah i just thought that was weird it kind of was i don't think it was cheating though no i don't think that's cheating either it's just not and it's not like they didn't read the clue because i think they saw that it said train i just didn't think what they were doing would result in a penalty but i mean you know i bring this up there was the one couple years ago where you were supposed to walk to the pit stop and a a team took a taxi and same thing they had an hour penalty at the mat i think it's just you if i've learned anything it's that you read the clue in the most literal sense and you're so like you take everything yeah no deviations exactly So while this is happening, um, teams are going to Castle Franco and all the teams actually get on the same train, um, except for Lenny and Karen. But apparently it was due to production difficulties that they weren't able to get on the train that all the other teams are on. So they're put behind, but we are told immediately um, as viewers that they will be given a time time credit later on. So although they're behind and they're pretty, pretty far in dead last, you still kind of have the notion that, oh, well, they might be okay because they might get to the mat and their time credit might work out for them. Yeah, because they would have been on the same train as everybody else if it weren't for this production difficulty. Exactly. So, and then we get to the roadblock, unless there's anything before the roadblock. Um, I'm trying to think. So, Frank and Margarita and Bill and Joe get there first. The no notion that they are going to receive a time penalty. And then Rob and Brennan, Kevin and Drew and Nancy and Emily get off at the train station but there's only two cabs um and nancy and emily in what i thought is an incredibly courteous move for the amazing race and speaks to their character by volumes let the other teams go ahead take the two cabs just with the promise that they'll send a cab right back and i mean it's it was that to me kudos that's all i have to say see i don't like this at all i think they're being way too passive 
This is where I, I need them to fight. See, they, they don't have to they don't have to be rude about it and like physically fight about it. All they have to do is say, okay, let's do rock, paper, scissors to the side, a three-way. That way they're not being overly pushy and nobody can complain, but they're also not giving up like they did here. See, that would be that would be your approach, Andrew. That's why I think some other teams would get a little you know, there'd be there'd be a little a little friction, a little intensity. I would step back. I would want no part of this. I think you you, you know. And it's hard when you've been kind of in an alliance with these teams traveling from where where were they Tunisia to France to northern Italy to southern Italy back up to northern Italy. But I mean, I think it speaks volumes to to Nancy. I think specifically Nancy's character. Well, yeah, I think she she just said that the fight within her is gone. Like she's just beaten down by now. But rock paper scissors, who can complain about that? I will keep that in mind that this is how you're going to approach those scenarios. <laughs> what? <laughs> But so eventually everyone gets to the roadblock, Lenny and Karen a little bit behind on the second train, but everyone gets there, no issue. So the roadblock prompt is, it's for someone who likes to take things slowly. So out of this prompt, who's, I'm saying you're doing this. Yeah, I was going to, me, I think it's pretty obvious. It's a, yeah. it's a paper map with directions. And <laughs> no, 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 I, <laughs> I was just saying from the prompt, like with no further explanation of taking things slowly. No, I know. I mean, from the prompt with no further explanation, oh. I knew it would be me, okay, yeah. two of us. Yeah. But then I also, once the task was explained and I, I saw the map and everything, I was, I was, I would be so excited. Yeah, I, and well, I would be put me in a sports car. <laughs> I liked this task, though. I mean, I know you'll explain it in a second, but this wasn't a very task-based episode. It was mostly about the drama. But I have to say, it was a good task in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the roadblock was one person has to drive a smart car to a village using a map only a map as their directions in a smart car that mind you goes very slowly while the other person gets driven in a sports car at 180 miles per hour and waits at the pit stop and waits at the pit stop so frank and margarita i thought were very smart about this they basically hack this challenge by asking their taxi driver to just they hire him yeah they hire him to drive to the location while frank just follows behind i thought that was a very smart and See, out of to the me, I would worry that's cheating. I guess so, but I, there's nothing outlining that you can't do that. That's fair. But I can't imagine the producers being happy with that because they pretty much just hacked their task. <laughs> but I feel like as things went on, it, it just becomes harder and harder to hack the tasks. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the show. Yeah. And then also we get, when Rob and Brennan are doing this, um, I think Rob says to Brennan, well, you're the former race car driver. It's like, oh, that's interesting race car driver in this little smart car that goes like, what, 20 kilometers an hour i suppose so well but the I other th- one just sits in the like the actual race car yeah i don't know i thought it made sense because i i, I feel like brennan looks like a race car driver that makes sense to me no i i'm not denying that i'm just saying it's funny you know you have these high expectations and you get sat in a smart car <laughs> yeah that is funny not a lot happens at this task though i mean there are some directional difficulties but everybody gets there pretty easily a lot of people do you know stop and talk to others who is it i think karen who obviously her and her and lenny are in last goes to ask a man and he ends up actually just driving his own car in front of her to lead her lead her there but i don't think there's any immense difficulties with this task no, no, not at all. I think most, I think everybody arrives at the pit stop in the order that they arrived at the roadblock. Yeah, so that's... Um... So it was, yeah, Frank and Margarita were in first, Joe and Bill in second, Robin Brennan in third, Kevin and Drew in fourth, and then now it is between Nancy versus Karen. And they make it seem close for a little bit, and then they show Nancy pulling up to the pit stop, but I forgot 
about the time credit when I was first watching this. So I was very, I thought Len and Karen were out and then I remember it and I was like, this is interesting now because how are they going to deal with this? Mm-hmm. But anyway, Nancy eventually makes it. They finish at the pit stop. They end up in fifth. And then Karen makes her way. And when she gets out of the car, this is the happiest we've seen Karen so far. Overly happy for somebody who you would think is in last place and who would probably think that they're getting eliminated, you know? Maybe she knew, maybe somehow either the production team or someone told her that they would get a time credit. So maybe she thought that would bump them up. Yeah, what I would assume is that Lenny and Karen are definitely not pleased when the production difficulty happened, which caused them to miss their train. So they, yeah, they were probably told that they would be given a time credit. Or one step further, to my theory, is that they were told, they were so upset, and then they, they were told by production that you're not going to get eliminated because of this. Potentially. So kind of ease them, because I think there could be legal implications. Well, I mean, even, yeah, hey, so spoiler alert, but we're there. This is a non-elimination round. <laughs> well, I think we already spoiled that at the beginning, didn't we? Oh, we might have. I, I don't remember, actually. Yeah, so this non-elimination is so janky. It's very anticlimactic, which is totally not what the non-elimination <laughs> rounds have become today. And especially for the very first one, like Lenny and Karen have no reaction to this. And it's obviously a voiceover when Phil is speaking and when he's saying that it's not an elimination point. I like how they have to explain to the audience what non-elimination means. Yeah. And we also learned that there are going to be three, three nominal eliminations in the entirety of the race. So we have two more left. And my question is, why are we having these all at the back half of the race? You know, it's already down to six teams. Six. Yeah. That's crazy yeah i'd rather spend more time with more teams namely frank and margaretta dave and margaretta oh sorry dave and margaretta wow they were your favorite team <laughs> or g- give me kim and leslie give me pat and brenda but no um yeah and they they didn't seem shocked at all when they were told this no it was a very just kind of mundane reaction yeah so to my crackpot tin hat theory that i mentioned at the beginning of the episode <laughs> So my theory is that the production team didn't know exactly how to handle the Lenny and Karen time credit situation and eliminating the correct team because there are so many different factors, I think, that would play into that. Because essentially then you'd be having to tell um, Nancy and Emily after the fact, you know, oh, sorry, you are actually going to go home. Yeah, who had already gone from the pit stop and could be in their on their way to their hotel room or into their hotel room or whatever. And you're not going to keep them at the pit stop being like, oh, wait, you know, we have to see if, depending on what time this team checks in, you may be eliminated. Yeah, so I think that would have just overall been such a mess for the production. So I think that as a result of this, the messiness, they just decided not to eliminate anybody. So you think the non-elimination round was created by mistake? Well, I don't, I think they did intend to have a non-elimination round because... Three is a lot. Maybe yeah. they had two planned and they threw one in here. That's true. But I believe what Phil actually said during the voiceover was probably something along the lines of, uh, you are the last team to arrive, but because you're in last place due to production difficulties, you're not eliminated from the race and you can continue racing. That's what I think happened. Yeah, exactly. The time credit doesn't... So we should outline as well, not until the last two minutes of the episode after this has happened are we informed that... Um, Frank and Margarita and Bill and Joe will get time penalties because they took the train only partway and then got cabs. So we are informed now that they get time penalties. But I don't think either of their time penalties or the time credit given to Lenny and Karen affect the rankings in any way. 
I th- yeah, I think that's what they said. So yeah, I'm curious to see how the other teams react to this next week because they're probably expecting Lady Karen to not be there. Since a non-elimination of- thing is so unprecedented, you know? I know. One of my favorite scenes ever of a non-elimination was in, I think, maybe the first season of The Amazing Race Canada where the team that everyone thought was eliminated was behind and all the other teams were at the airport and they're, you know, having fun, waiting for their flight. And then all of a sudden, the team who was supposed to be eliminated shows up and everybody's just, think their mouths are open, like in shock. Everybody's like, what? What's going on? I thought that was, that's a great piece of TV. It's always so great when it's the team that everybody wanted to get eliminated gets a non-elimination leg. <laughs> and then the, all the reactions. Because I can just imagine being livid as the other teams Thinking we survived this leg and we did all this work for nothing. <laughs> Not for nothing, though. You put yourself in a good position. <laughs> I guess so. I have to say that my one last comment is while the whole non-elimination thing is being explained and while the time penalty thing is is being explained, the music is its as if it's out of um, a Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings Hobbit film. It's so Middle Earth. Okay, I had a thought about this music, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, you it didn't reminded, write it down. I didn't write it down. I didn't think it was good enough. But it reminded me of something. But I can't remember what it is. But Probably, Listen to it again. It's It sounds like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll listen to it again and then, and then insert what I thought it was. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> okay, so hi, everybody. This is me in the editing studio. Um, and I went back and listened to it. And it sounded like my heart will go on from the Titanic. And here's a little clip to prove it time credit to compensate for the delay caused by the production difficulties earlier in this leg. As a result, they will stay at the pit stop for less than the required 12 hours. So yeah, and then we get some post-pit stop interviews, which you don't usually see, because usually it's just, we see the last team and then we cut to the credits. But we're getting people's thoughts on the leg, which is pretty much just everybody rehashing the airport issue and talking about how awful Joe and Bill are. So yeah, that, that was it. That was it for this episode. Again, it was a complete mess. I apologize to any listeners because I think it, it was a very hard ne- episode to narrate from our perspective because there's so many teams going to so many different places and there's just lots of conflict between teams. So I apologize if it was really hard to follow. Hopefully you got the gist of it. Yeah. But <laughs> for next week, uh, they seem to be in India, which yes. is fascinating. It's a very fast-paced, chaotic environment on the on the streets. Yeah, it looks like there's going to be some quite uh, anxiety-inducing uh, situations for the teams. Yeah, Nancy seems to fully break down in tears. And Karen screams at Lenny some more. So. Yeah, stay tuned next week. Uh, as always, send us an email, amazingracerewind at gmail.com. Find us and DM. Andrew will answer your DM on Instagram. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week with episode seven. Seven already, wow. Yeah, okay, bye. Bye.